Welcome to the On Becoming Educated podcast, where I, Paula Voon, will share my experience as a first-generation PhD student. I cannot believe this school year is about to end. My first year in this PhD program is about to end. I'm so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed by the amount of work I have to do before the end that I have been having a hard time even processing some of the things that I have to do. Luckily, I sort of have a plan. I have, so I have three papers to write, each 10 pages or more. The first is a mini research proposal for my inquiry class, the second a group literature review, and the third a theoretical analysis paper. And they're all pretty much due within the same three days in May. But I know what I want to tackle first. I want to tackle the mini research proposal. I pretty much have a general idea of what I want to do for that assignment. It'll be a simplified version of what I'm hoping my dissertation will be. And some people might say that it's too early for me to start thinking about my dissertation since I only just finished my first year, but I kind of came into this program already knowing what I'm going to do for my dissertation, so um, that has been really helpful, actually. Um, And then after that, I'll tackle the theoretical analysis paper and the group literature review in that order because you know how I just love group work. (laughs) I've mentioned that before in the past. So a couple of days ago, I also got my first shot of the Pfizer vaccine. I'm still a little sore, but that's luckily all I'm feeling, except that I've never felt so hopeful Since the pandemic started, I remember standing in the kitchen cooking curry and identifying that exact word to describe the relief and lightness inside me. Hope. Something that seemed so elusive just a few months ago. Anyway, I hope that wherever you are, your health officials and county officials have something set up so that you can also get the ball rolling for one of the vaccines if you haven't taken it already. My second shot is actually right before all my three papers are due, so I'm hoping that it won't be a problem. I've seen some people report flu-like symptoms after the second shot, so I'm a bit worried, but I don't want to reschedule. I want to be fully vaccinated as soon as I can be. Before I get to today's show, though, if you aren't already following the podcast, I wanted to invite you to follow it on Instagram or Facebook at OnBecomingEducated on both platforms. I post kind of funny memes and interesting things I encounter, as well as beautiful pictures of the beaches that I'm exploring this summer. (laughs) If you are planning to apply to grad school, however, I have some exciting news coming up in May, um, including a free tool that I think will help you get started on your personal statement. So if you aren't following the show already, I invite you to go to Instagram or Facebook and find the show at On Becoming Educated. And um, I would appreciate if you follow me. And now on to today's show. 
little while ago, I ran into some colleagues on the way home from work, and one of them pointed at my chest, lifted an eyebrow, and asked, You're wearing your name badge home? I told her that I was, and that I always kept my name badge in my purse, in case I needed it for something. The truth is, sometimes I forget to take it off, but sometimes I leave it on intentionally. I leave it on because it's a weapon in a battle I face every day. It sends a message I don't need to verbalize, that I have a job, that I can take care of myself. It reminds me that I've made it, that I've pulled myself out of the poverty hole I grew up in. It acts as a shield against my memories of food stamp and milk vouchers and the barely contained repugnance of more privileged shoppers at the grocery store. The shame I felt at being poor sent me on a journey searching for the next doorway to success. I've held multiple jobs since I was in middle school. More than money, having a job meant I was visible. It confirmed that I was a member of society and that I wasn't just existing on the fringe, taking handouts from the government, but I was a contributor. I belonged. The problem was that by tying my worth and my identity and my sense of belonging to holding a job, I intentionally made them really fragile. I intentionally made it so that I could never be enough because jobs come and go and there will always be another person with another job who makes more money than I do. At a Hmong Women's Summit a little over a week ago, I had the pleasure of listening to a panel of successful Hmong women talk about their professional and personal experiences. There was a clear message No matter how successful you become, even if you are working at the highest level of your field, you can still feel as if you aren't enough. Enoughness is, much like comparisonitis and imposter syndrome, an ailment that hits everyone at every stage of life. You can't find it chasing a title or a salary. You can only find it within yourself. This is part of a blog post I wrote a few years ago. I remember I was just starting as a writing center coordinator at California State University, Chico, and was struggling with trying to fit into my new position. Reading this blog post again shows me how much I have grown just in the last year. And without saying too much, because it's totally not today's topic, I'll just say I've grown a lot. This blog post speaks so much about poverty and capitalism and race and a whole bunch of other stuff that I had internalized as a child and as an adult. But I'll talk more about this on a later episode because today what I really want to talk about is that I left this position of security to go to grad school, which has absolutely no sense of security. Well, for the most part. To me, grad school is another job, but a less secure job. A word that is coming to mind is promise. Grad school is like a promise between you, your program, or school, 
and the industry where you'd like to end up after you finish your degree. But I feel like it's not even a real promise. What's a real promise anyway? Because, and I feel this way because there's no guarantee that you'll even finish, no guarantee that you'll even get into the industry you want. So much of it is really left up to factors out of your control. So really, there's no actual security with grad school. I don't think I'm doing a good job selling grad school, am I? (laughs) Well, I guess it's because I'm not trying to sell grad school. I'm trying to share my experience and to provide as much information and viewpoints as possible And that includes talking about the not-so-great sides of grad school. So then, I guess the question is, why leave a secure and stable job to go to grad school? I recently spoke to a potential PhD student who said he was nervous about leaving his job behind. He said he had never had that kind of money before, and he was scared to do without it. Well, dude, I said to him, although not exactly in those words. I not only know what you mean, but I did it. I left my job. I left security. I left a steady income. And I totally felt fear while I did it. It's so normal to feel fear, especially if you come from an impoverished background, especially if you've never had that much money before. Money means security, at least in the material sense. It pays for the place you live in, the food you eat, the clothes you wear, your transportation, sometimes even your experiences, and because of that, your memories. Ugh, capitalism. (laughs) Capitalism has taken our memories too. So yes, saying no to a steady source of income It's scary, it's risky, so it's okay to feel scared. So then here's the question again, why leave security and stability to go to grad school? Well, I can only tell you why I did it and why I don't regret it. I couldn't let fear stop me from pursuing a... You know, I hesitate to even call it a dream. I think I would call it an intuition, a calling, an insatiable curiosity, a desire to uncover something that has been covered up, a knowing that there are unknown things that I need to know, a sense of something bigger than myself, bigger than my story, bigger than my job. By the time I applied to grad school, I had been working in higher education for almost a decade, and I knew that I could continue to do that and still feel fulfilled. I could continue to go to work from 8 to 5, continue to change the lives of individual students with the services that my office and my programming provided, and the work would be meaningful. But I also knew that I could do more. I could do more by answering questions about the past, the present, and possibly the future. I could do more by contributing to what we know about language, 
how we think about language, and how we keep languages from dying in our minoritized communities. And that knowledge gave me courage to take a leap of faith, to hope that things will work out. Here are some things to consider if you have a full-time job and are planning to or wanting to go to grad school. One, does your family depend on your income? I wasn't in a relationship and I didn't have children, so I didn't have to think about anyone else. You might have one or both of these and your family might depend on your income. So you're going to have to weigh the consequences of losing an entire income if you choose to go back to school full time. Number two, how much savings do you have? When I made the decision to accept a um, fellowship and to go to school, I was living with my parents. I lived with my and I lived with my parents for a little while. Don't judge because I paid rent. <laughs> I always feel like I have to say that. <laughs> so before I started grad school, I was able to save some money, even though I haven't touched it at all since I've been in grad school. Knowing that I have that money and that that money is there has helped a lot. It has provided the security that I needed because I knew that if I ran out of fellowship money, I had something to fall back on. Number three, will you and your family, if you have one, be able to live off of a grad student income? I thought I'd put this question in here because I wanted to talk about lifestyle changes. My lifestyle didn't change that much because I was single and had no children. The only difference was that when I went to grad school, I had to live with roommates and I had gotten used to living on my own for a long time, besides that short stint with my parents. And one day I would love to have my own place again to be able to walk around in my underwear and not worry about my roommates seeing me. <laughs> but I was okay with having roommates. So the follow-up question is, how much of a lifestyle change would you have to make if you were to go to grad school? And would you and your family, if you have one, be okay with it. Number four, is an unguaranteed promise enough for you? Well, goodness, I feel like I'm asking you to be in a relationship with me. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like I mentioned earlier, grad school, any school for that matter, even med medical school can't guarantee you anything. I mean, heck, life isn't a guarantee at all, and I know that very personally. So, are you willing to take a leap of faith? Is your calling, your curiosity, your sense of something bigger than yourself enough for you to take a leap of faith? If you are thinking about going to grad school, I hope this episode has been useful to you and 
If you aren't thinking about going to grad school, I hope you still enjoyed it. And I hope you pass it along to somebody who you know who's thinking about going to grad school. All I can say is that after eight months in school, Zoom school, that is, during a pandemic, on lockdown, during the height of California wildfires, through an election year, through racism in our communities, I still feel the same about my choice and about my studies. And that tells me that my faith in what I'm doing was strong and is strong, stronger than my fear. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast listening platform of your choice to be notified when new episodes are up. If you would like to support this podcast, a rating and review would go a long way. Podcasts with ratings and reviews are more likely to be found by listeners. So I would very much appreciate it if you can take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast. If you would like to make a donation to help me run this podcast, you can do so at ko-fi.com slash onbecomingeducated. That's ko-fi.com slash onbecomingeducated. Every dollar helps. Follow me on Instagram at bypavu and the podcast at onbecomingeducated. Lastly, to access transcripts and submit listener questions, go to www.onbecomingeducated.com.